In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Dear family, just as a preface, I was pondering this morning again how I have been accused of not praying, not encouraging you to pray for the bishops. Well, I did. I do all the time. But here, here the thought occurred to me, how about if we pray for those lost souls, the souls that have been lost over the last 50 years, the, the souls that belong to that fastest growing denomination in the United States, ex-Catholics. Let us pray for the souls of those who have, have been abused, it, whether it be physically or even spiritually, spiritual abuse for, because the shepherds did not do their job preaching the truth like St. Paul said, preaching the truth like Jesus said. How about if we pray for the lost souls? So many souls lost, losing more every day. 75% of Catholics don't come to Mass. How about if we pray for them? That was just a preface. Dear family, today let us focus on the words of St. Paul. Today, more than ever, and every day hence, this day when we're confronted by the incomprehensible, both outside and inside the church. Quote, therefore, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the traditions that you were taught, either by an oral statement or by a letter of ours. No matter what goes on in the world, no matter what goes on in the church, hold fast, keep the faith, run the race to the end. Dear family, knowing me as well as you do, you might surmise that I'm going to take the bait of the gospel yesterday and today and just run with it. Even I can only run with that for so long. It gets me depressed. I'm sure it gets you depressed. You're probably thinking as you were hearing the gospel proclaimed, oh, Father's going to have a field day with this one. After all, in our day, in our time and place, the faithful Catholic that has held fast to the traditions, the faithful Catholic is part of what we call the census fidelium, the people's sense of faith. And the census fidelium in our day, and not without justification, not without complete justification, is that today's gospel applies in spades. Speaking of which, as an aside there, there's some great faithful Catholic websites out there, dear family, that help us understand that applies in spades part. One actually is entitled Census Fidelium. Great websites. Another is Complicit Clergy, where we find that it now has been 807 days. Maybe it's 808, because I wrote part of this last night. Since we were promised a McCarrick report. You remember McCarrick? Uncle Ted? whose file was so thick that they could laicize a, Catholic, a cardinal of the Catholic Church without a trial on the merits in about a year's time. No trial, no witnesses, no sworn testimony of who knew what and when. We're still waiting on that report. I don't, don't, this is, it's like they don't understand that the faithful Catholic, the census fidelium, is saying, hey, little transparency would be nice. How about you give us the truth? At least we can handle the truth. As hard as the truth is, just give it to us. 
It's been 807 days. And we know the souls that were lost. We know the souls that have fallen away from the church because of stuff like that. Give us the report. Is that too much to ask? It's been 807 days. God, I can't even read that site because I just get upset. Another spectacular site is LifeSite News that daily gives us a rundown of all the challenges we face. For instance, just today, a headline reads, Planned Parenthood officials admit under oath to altering abortions in order to have organ harvesting. Oh, God in heaven. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Well, being questioned under oath, former Planned Parenthood Federation of America, senior medical services director, admitted, I was aware that it was a donation case. Lord, have mercy. She would alter. This is under oath. She would alter what part of a baby she crushed with the forceps so as not to crush usable parts. Lord, have mercy. Nice to know, isn't it, that there is a political party out there that openly and notoriously supports Planned Parenthood. Lord, have mercy. Obviously, for them, it's a good thing. Because, after all, you never know when we might be in need of some fresh, young baby body parts. Lord, have mercy. Woe. God damn anybody that supports Planned Parenthood and the harvesting of baby body parts and why it is that this is not crystal clear for everybody who dares to call himself a Catholic, for every shepherd of the church. Why that is not clear that there are shepherds of the church that would give Joe Biden Holy Eucharist would commit sacrilege is beyond me. Is it any wonder that people are leaving the Catholic Church in droves because we're not standing up for the truth? Lord, have mercy.
Other sad news today included the media censorship of opposing views. Family, we are living in George Orwell's 1984, but most people do not know and most people do not care. Can't take time to learn their faith. Can't take time to learn and recognize the attacks on our faith. This is why all this, dear family, today we will not focus on the gospel. I'm not going to go there today, partly because I would only be wasting my breath. We know there's no excuse for not knowing. I don't need to tell a scribe or a Pharisee anything. We need to pray for those people whose souls are lost because they are sheep without shepherds. Let's pray for the souls, dear family, of those who are being lost. Jesus taught the apostles that, gave them the example. If the hearer refuses to hear, shake the dust in testimony against them. And in today's gospel, Jesus was shaking a lot of dust at the scribes and Pharisees. You know, there's nothing in the Gospels, there's nothing in sacred scripture that isn't applicable to us today. Remember and never forget that the Sanhedrin was so bad, their inclination to bullying opposing views was so bad, their inclination to deny the truth was so bad that one Pharisee of genuineness Seeking the, seeking the truth, Nicodemus, he had to sneak around at night in order to come see Jesus because he knew full well what the other scribes and Pharisees would do if they found out. Your family just does not change. These aren't just some old stories. It applies to us today. It never ends. The censorship, like for Nicodemus, does not end. Even though we know the wise, the lesson of the wise, wise Pharisee Gamaliel, who, when speaking to the hierarchy of Jesus' day, the Sanhedrin warned them about the apostles, quote, fellow Israelites, be careful what you are about to do to these men. So now I tell you, have nothing to do with the apostles and let them go. For if this endeavor or this activity is of human origin, it will destroy itself. But here it comes, dear family, listen closely. But if it comes from God, you will not be able to destroy them. You may even find yourself fighting against God. We readily can see why it is that Jesus said, we pondered this just six years ago, six days ago. I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you also will enter into the kingdom of heaven. What did Jesus mean? What did he mean by that? I mean, dear family, God gave us a brain. Let us use it. We know the four last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. In other words, after that final judgment, there are only two places to go, heaven or hell. So if the scribes and Pharisees, the hierarchy of Jesus's day, will not enter into the kingdom of heaven, where are they going to go? Hell, obviously, they will be damned to hell. Okay. That speaks directly to the selling of baby body parts. 
Where are they going to go? Are we afraid to say it? Repent or burn in hell. It's just that simple. Support that business up the street, that racist business up the street. Repent or burn in hell. It is that simple. What is amazing about that part is I just realized this last night that Jesus said that bit about the scribes and Pharisees not entering the kingdom of heaven. Boy, there is so much presumption in our world today, isn't there? Oh, we're all good enough to go. I worry about my own eternal soul. We're all good enough to go. That is, by the way, the sin of the last century. There's no sense of sin. Pope said that. We're all good enough to go. We have no sin. Certainly not grave sin. As Planned Parenthood runs amok in our culture, the party of death continues to support it, make it openly, notoriously. It's not even secret. All good to go. Yeah, no, that's not the case. I just realized that Jesus said that bit about the scribes and Pharisees not entering the kingdom of heaven. He said that way back in chapter five of the gospel of Matthew. So right from the beginning, Jesus knew and Jesus taught that the Sanhedrin was a damned group of people. And that damned hierarchy did not like to hear the truth spoken, which is why they plotted and conspired against Jesus pretty much from the beginning. Later in Matthew 21, here we go. Shortly after coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, Jesus cleansed the temple and drove out the merchants and money changers with a whip. Have you ever asked yourself how it is that those merchants and money changers got in there in the first place? Make no mistake about it, dear family. The hierarchy had complete control of access to the temple and the temple area. Remember how, remember this, remember how they cast out that man who had been blind from birth. He was a beggar. Everybody knew who he was. And suddenly Jesus comes along and heals him. He said, well, Jesus must not be from God because he healed you on Sunday, on, on the Sabbath day. And the, the healed man said, well, I don't you know, wonder whether that's true or not. I just know that he healed me. And only a holy person can heal me. They cast him out. They threw him out, didn't they? They had complete access, control, complete control of the access to the temple and the temple area. So how is it that these merchants and money changers got in there? They got in there with permission. Obviously, somebody was getting a cut of the action. So when Jesus drove out the money changers and the merchants, it had a very direct impact on the cut taken by the hierarchy. Boy, doesn't it always seem to come down to money? Go back to the chronology events. And Jesus rode in to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, later drove out the money changers. And the next day he shows up in the same temple. And the hierarchy, the scribes and Pharisees, confronted Jesus and challenged him. By what authority did he do that? And then what follows was that parable about the owner of the vineyard, the true owner. The true owner who leased out his vineyard to those evil tenants. They asked Jesus a question. He's still talking to him in parables. Leases out the vineyard to evil tenants who then killed the messengers and eventually killed the son. And of course, the scribes and Pharisees knew Jesus was talking about them. Quote, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables. But didn't those chief priests and scribes and Pharisees, didn't they all just think they knew it? Oh, they knew what the law was. They knew what proper behavior was. They knew. 
When they heard his parables, they knew that he was speaking about them. And although they were attempting to arrest him, they feared the crowds. Because at least the crowds, the census fidelium of the time, regarded Jesus as a prophet. They had some sense, hey, there's somebody special here. So the truth of all this is so overwhelming that I'm going to take a pass on specifically addressing the gospel because I would be wasting my breath. If those who should have ears to hear do not give the faithful, the census fidelium, the Catholics who actually come to Mass, they don't give them credit for the real and genuine census fidelium than they have, then there is something rotten in Denmark. Of course, we knew that. We're still waiting, how many? 807 days for the report? Four years plus for answers to the dubia? Still waiting. There's just no point in my wasting my breath because there's none so deaf as those who flatly refuse to hear. Rather, dear family, let us today focus on those words of St. Paul. For today, his words are way more important to the faithful than pondering how Jesus had to rip on the hierarchy again, not just for failing to do their job, but for plotting against Jesus. In fact, what is so ominous for us, dear family, is that Jesus obviously knew just how much they had been and were plotting against him, which is why he had to warn the apostles three times, listen, this is what's going to happen to me. He warned them. But also, so ominously, this also occurred to me last night, the staggering proximity of Jesus telling the hierarchy of the parable of the vineyard early during Holy Week, where we know just a couple of days later, they finally succeeded in their diabolical scheme to crucify the Son of God. Here's a, a beautiful meditation for you. One day, just close your eyes when you're sitting in church. Put yourself right there in the temple area and really see a zealous Jesus fashion that whip of cords and watch him drive out. Picture it. Picture the scene. You kind of know what the temple area looked like. Picture the scene. Jesus driving out the merchants and the money changers, tipping over the tables. Just imagine what that must have looked like. I mean, there's a story there. We know it by words, but think of it in pictures. Think of it in your mind. Use the brains God gave us. We can picture this. We can imagine this. Imagine what it looked like. Imagine how he did that without opposition from the merchants and the money changers. I mean, they could have united. They could have grabbed a hold of Jesus and, and threw him out. Do we watch? It's so beautiful. Do we not suppose that his divine fury was a force which, which they could not reckon that day. By what divine fury did the entirety of them cower that day? Jesus drove them out from his father's house. Imagine, just ponder that scene. And your family, as I was pondering that, thought, whether the scribes or Pharisees of our day like to hear it or not, imagine... If our Lord Jesus Christ happened to be in St. Peter's the day a group of people brought in the Pachamama. Divine fury to your family. Divine fury. Jesus, the Lord God Almighty, would have been cracking the whip that day 
Do not bring an abomination into the temple of God. Not a good idea at all. The only reason they would have survived then is the same reason they survived 2,000 years ago. He drove them out. He said, Jesus, Jesus would let them do their worst to him, knowing his justice would be meted out in spades on judgment day. He had to do that so that we would know just how much he loved us. I'll let them do their worst to me so that you know I love you. So when current events disturb us, dear family, just remember Jesus will crack the whip when he's good and ready and let us, as we always, always must do, wait upon the Lord. And no matter what happens in the interim, let us keep the words of St. Paul ever before us. Therefore, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the traditions that you were taught, either by an oral statement or by a letter of ours. For it is to this end that he has also called us through the gospel to possess the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we wait upon the Lord to clean house with his whip, the prayer of St. Paul is the prayer for us today. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us everlasting encouragement and good hope through his grace, encourage your hearts and strengthen them in every good deed and word. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.